Get your day started with a breakfast full of positive music, fun, inspiration and so much more. Rise and shine with Felon DJ. Weekday mornings on Vision. The Story. What's happening in Phnom Penh is that the uh, land was being taken away from these slum dwellers. So they were told that they should move out. They could be given land out of the village. They were taken out in a truck. But they were placed on this land which wasn't really, um, it was illegal for them to be there. And they didn't know. They're just poor people and they had no idea. And so along came police and took some of them to prison. G'day, I'm Jimmy Colfax. Welcome to The Story. Today we have the conclusion of Shelley Scowan's two-part conversation with Sandra Perry, who's been serving as a medical missionary in Cambodia for over 10 years. Last time we heard how she served people living in a rubbish dump slum, but today we'll hear how she gave this all up to go to prison. That's right, the Lord was working in her life and he led her into prison ministry. Once again, we'll hear that a reoccurring theme in her life is to see a need and then meet the need, or to see an injustice and then work on a solution. We were talking to her yesterday about how she spent 10 years as a nurse practitioner and midwife at the rubbish dump slum of Phnom Penh in Cambodia. She established the Mercy Health and Community Centre there where they did some amazing things actually preventing the diseases in the first place, handing out or distributing uh, hundreds of water filters, which then uh, dramatically reduced the uh, diseases there. They were sharing the gospel. They were sharing the Bible and how the Bible talks about health-related things. It really was a fantastic ministry. The church was filling up and, uh, importantly, they had favor with the village leaders. It was a wonderful ministry. So, Sandra, why is it that you left all of that and you went to work in the Cambodian prison? God has a way of leading us on, doesn't he? Yes, he surely does. Yeah. I never would have dreamed I'd end up in a prison. Uh, <laughs> for the right people... reasons. You were... <laughs> <laughs> That's right. Well, I went for the rubbish dump to the prison. Yeah, well. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so um, what's happening in Phnom Penh is that the uh, land is, was being taken away from these uh, slum dwellers who are, um, they, they, don't, they don't own the land, of course. So they were being evicted just because the city was getting bigger and the land was being filled in and the um, drainage was happening. Uh, so they, they were told that they should move out to... They could be given land out of the village and several hours out of the city. And they, they, received, they, were, they gave money. Each of them had to save up $50 for a piece of land, which they trusted in. Uh, it all turned out to be... Um, very bad for them and they were they were taken out in a truck uh, many of the families I think 200 families were taken out and it was just a no man's land uh, there was nothing there for them they had to eke out an existence from the bare land um, there's no medical facilities or school but during that time they were taken out and uh, they were placed on this land which didn't wasn't really um, it was illegal for them to be there and they didn't know they're just poor people and they had no idea they were trusting in the authorities and so um, along came the police and took some of them to prison for for being on this land illegally 
and seven men, <coughs> eight men, were t the breadwinners that is, were taken off to prison and I was uh, really hurt about this. I was really angry and really, really upset because I knew these families well and I knew how naive they are. And so I went to the prison. I took the family, their families to visit them. It's a two-hour, oh, three-hour bus trip away and they could have no hope of visiting their men. And so I hired a bus and took them to visit them and took food for them and anything else I could think of, newspapers and Bibles. And when we went to the prison, um, it really, it broke my heart just looking at them. They were broken people. They had done nothing that they knew that was wrong. And they came out, they were allowed, the families were allowed 15 minutes each with them. And on the, on the ticket that time, they were ushered out of the room and um, we had the long bus trip home. But... It had really touched the lot, touched my heart just to see them reunited with their families and um, some of them had were sick and they were in great need in the prison. So on the bus trip home I look at, looked at these people and there was about 20 of them, 20 family members and they were just really, it really satisfied me that I could reunite families but I felt just sad about the prisons and so that's how God called me to work in the prisons and I just really realised that there's so much injustice over there and many of these people, they should not be suffering these prison sentences and mm. I had to do something about that. And so in due course I closed down my clinic in the slum because there were a lot of the people had gone and um, I wanted to start work in the prison. And by that time, there was another, uh, like, sort of clinic happening on the other side of the rubbish dump. So they were getting some medical help by then. And so I, um, my, with the organisation that I work with, Cambodia Global Action, I said, can we, you know, would you help me apply to the government for permission to get into the prison? Now, this is, like, impossible for a Westerner. Really? <laughs> uh, especially a woman. Because of human rights abuses, they don't they don't want us in there, right. and they are very wary of any of us going in. And so um, my organisation said, "Yeah, we'll try." So <laughs> we tried, and it took 18 months um, of persistence. And you know, I was at the end after a year. I thought, "What am I going to do? I don't want to start another clinic up. I want to get into the prison." I knew it was called God was calling me in there. To these desperate people, and uh, yeah, and I cried lots. I cried in, in desperation, you know, because I knew, you know, in my heart, I've got to get in there somehow. Mm. And uh, but you know, God was—he was working on it. He was working on the other end, and I believed He would. And so, after one and a half years of uh, impatiently waiting. Uh, we got in and we got the document. We got the document from the government. Now, we had been asked for <clears throat> various things, like they wanted uh, me to buy them a desk or they wanted me to buy a computer. And this is how the system is over there. It's not a, There's no fee, you know. There's no set thing. You don't know what you're dealing with. Um, but in the end, I did buy them a... <clears throat> well, I buy them some ink for their printer, I think it ended up. But it was just 
pure perseverance and uh, the calling, you know, was so strong in my heart. And so I began working one of the big prisons and uh, it was just as I thought it would be. Uh, the director was very wary, although we had the proper document by then. Uh, but I think God's love kind of comes through, you know, and you... I don't know what he does, but he sure worked in that situation, and the doors opened wide. Well, God gave you favour. It's what he does, and, and he continues to do even too with the prison guards and the director. Absolutely. And it's amazing how God, as you say, he opened the doors for you to get in. Yes, that's right. I saw that gate open. I knew it was God. Yeah. <laughs> nothing man could do, nothing yeah. that any of us could do. Would would have caused that to happen? Yeah. And, uh, so I had to um, present a document again. They oh, I was going to have documents, and um, so to the director to tell him what what we would do, and he gave us limited hours to do it in, and uh, we were allowed two hours on Monday to do a medical clinic, and Wednesday we had, I think, two hours to do health lessons, and Friday two hours for moral lessons again and we were going to bring the Bible in there, the scriptures. Yeah. <clears throat> and so I've been, yeah, but I've done that now for two years and also, you know, I found that a lot of the prisoners had terrible toothache and they've got dreadful teeth because most of them have come from low socioeconomic uh, level of society and like, um, they just have no dental hygiene and they eat the wrong food. So toothache was a massive thing in my clinic. And I just, you know, looking at them suffering and how could you stand it? Being confined to prison, they have two meals a day, rice, some rice and the smelly fish, um, which they said it smells really bad. And so they don't get fed till uh, 11 o'clock in the morning and in the afternoon at 5 and, you know, they had the sicknesses mostly related to stress, anxiety, you know, um, gastric ulcers and a headache and a lack of sleep. Mm. Uh, so their conditions are, are very harsh and they sleep in crowded cells and on the floor. And sometimes their fam- if their family can visit them, they can bring the food, but um, the prison food, otherwise they just live on this prison food and it's very, very bad. Yeah. And, I mean, you told me yesterday that you are mercy motivated. You have that heart of mercy and love for these people. Is yeah. there a part of you that, like, because you know that they're prisoners, like you say, some of them aren't actually in there for doing a lot of wrong. Mm. There's also the fact that some of them there have done some horrible, horrible things. Yeah. Is that sometimes a challenge for you um, to to still keep that that heart of mercy towards these people? Yes, it is because there's some people in there that I don't want to help. You know, mm. like the men. Some of the men that have been pedophiles, and I just had to. You know, I because my sense of justice is also there. You know, in my heart, and it's God's justice, and yeah. I didn't know how I was going to get around that. I mean, I was afraid to go in the prison at first. I had fear because I knew that some of them had murdered and done terrible things. Yeah. Uh, but somehow, you know, God really carried me through that fear and that, that feeling of revulsion 
um, at some of the things that I knew they had done. So I never ask them what they've done. I only see the person that they are now and that they need God. Mm. Uh, and and so um, the change that comes over them once they find Christ is incredible. Yeah. So yes, you're right. It, it, has, it was hard at first, but somehow God's helped me with that. I don't mm. know how it happened. It did. You're listening to The Story. Today, Shelley Scowen is once again chatting with Sandra Perry, who has been serving as a missionary in Cambodia for over 10 years. Next, we'll hear some of the creative programs Sandra is running in the prison to help the inmates. That and more when we return. The Story. If this program has highlighted something you'd like prayer for, we'd love to pray for you. Call 1-800-PRAY-FOR-ME. That's 1-800-772-936. It's a free call. Or text 0401-132-888. Hi, I'm Jimmy Colfax, and this is The Story. We're continuing with Shelley Scowen chatting with missionary to Cambodia, Sandra Perry. Before the break, we heard how God led her to become involved in prison ministry. Next, we'll hear more of the many ways that Sandra has seen needs and then, with the Lord's help, has worked to meet those needs. Sandra, tell us about some of the programs that you're running there in the prisons. Um, Yes. On Monday, I do a medical clinic uh, during which I see around 20 people, mostly all men and women because there are uh, women in there too and uh, give them out free medication. And uh, every second Wednesday, we're having a dental clinic during which uh, these two lovely Christian dentists who volunteer, they are are Cambodians, uh, they come and, and mostly pull teeth out Wednesday, we've been having health lessons, health education, same as in the slum, mm-hmm. and on Friday, moral lessons from the Bible. Uh, the, the prisoners are really, they're really interested because they haven't had an education mostly, and they're very receptive and they want to learn. So I have a wonderful, godly woman, Cambodian lady, who she was Buddhist many years ago, but she now preaches the gospel and she was doing the health lessons but at the end of the health lesson they all want to know about Christianity so because she would introduce it through these health lessons and so she then started preaching the gospel a little bit at the end for 10 minutes wow. and she has started to lead people to the Lord and you know tell them just explain to them about Buddhism and because they believe they believe so much about punishment. You know, you're in here because you did it wrong in the previous life and you're never going to get out of it. You know, you'll always be um, nothing. You're just, you'll be nothing forever. And so they love to hear about the gospel because it lifts them up and says you're somebody and God cares for you and can change your life. And so she began to do that. And, you know, she, there was a few Christians at first that, and then they grew, and now now there's so many that they pack a room, and there's 73 people who have given their lives to Christ and who are growing. She's discipling them each week, and she's powerful. You know, she doesn't beat around the bush. Uh, she teaches them, 
about the blessings and the cursings, you know, in the Old Testament. She teaches them about the things that are relevant to them, like spiritual things, because they do understand about spirits. They've lived with that all their life. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, so, uh, so on, that's on Monday now, and I take food for them. I buy food every week, and we carry it out on a motorbike and hand it round, and that really blesses me, mm. and that blesses them to have some extra food in their diet. Yeah, absolutely. Well, another way that they're getting some extra food in their diet is Mana Garden, which yes. is a program that you helped set up. Tell us about Mana Garden. Well, yes, um, that came into my heart to provide food for this massive prison, and the director was delighted because he's a man of the land. He loves to garden, and so we did this. We began to plant out corn and uh, what else? Uh, uh, bok choy, mustard greens, sweet potato, and um, moringa trees, pawpaw trees. We planted through the sponsorship of support of Australian Christians. I was able to do this massive project. We had three quarters of a hectare out just outside of the prison. So the prisons were allowed to to do well. The guards were watching them, and uh, inside about half a hectare, and we provided. Uh, it that land grew most wonderful corn, so tall, and um, we pro- <clears throat> it provided the prison with, uh, I think, three crops of corn where they all got, there's over a 1,000 prisoners, they all got two cobs of corn each, and I had the joy of handing them out, my, my workers and I. <clears throat> we handed the corn out. The director invited us to, and so we've got sweet potatoes in now, and we're planning to put in rice the, as soon as the rains come. The rains should be here soon. And we put in rice. And uh, wow. it just helps. It just helps the, yeah, it's food for the prisoners. And they loved it. They learned it was organic. We made, you know, I had a consultant who was teaching them organic gardening. And um, so, yeah, we had a compost heap and everything that goes with organic gardening and the prisoners were so enjoying it. And it's teaching them those real-life skills as well and giving them something meaningful to be involved in each day too. Yes. So hopefully when they leave prison, they'll have a skill and knowledge. That's what they need to survive in the world. Yeah. Again, just another way that you're connecting with the prisoners there and I'm sure there's been many an opportunity while you've been out there weeding or tending the garden to have a chat about God as well. Exactly, yes, yeah. so we did, Sophia especially, she loved them, her, her boys and she'd be into the garden as well as preaching the gospel. Yeah, yeah oh wonderful. that's wonderful. And uh, so <clears throat> I just mentioned that uh, there were there were five men in there who were amputees who'd lost their legs through yeah. landmines or one, or one or two of them have been shot through the leg and very, life very difficult for amputees, you know, they they can't get around. They have a big, a big stick that they use, but so hard. And so it came into my heart that I could get legs made for them. And um, so I've had two legs made at the um, local disability centre, and I paid for, I paid to help paid for those legs and transport for the workers to go out and measure them up and do a plaster cast on them and fit fit them. And so we've got three to go. But yeah, that's something that really I uh, was really blessed to be able to do. Yeah. 
change their lives a little bit, just a little bit. <laughs> you just go around seeing lives changed wherever you go. Yeah. Sandra, if people are interested in helping you out or supporting you in what you're doing, is there a way that they can get in touch with you? Uh, yes, they could. They can contact me through my email. I can give them email address. Yeah, go for it. Yeah. Okay, it's sandra.perry, P-E-R-R-Y, 2014-2014 at gmail.com. Okay, that's sandra.perry2014 at gmail.com. It's a great work that you're doing there. And, I mean, you've mentioned many times of uh, the things that you've been able to help out with, the things you've been able to pay for and provide for other people. Of course, that does come at an expense. So uh, I'm sure some of our listeners might be interested in helping you out with that. Yeah, okay then. Fine, thank you for that. I'm sure you wouldn't mind hearing from them either. <laughs> no. <laughs> no, because we're partners, you know. I just, yeah. I just love what I do and I couldn't possibly do it if people didn't support the work. You know? Yes. It's, it's a partnership. And, oh, uh, and that's the wonderful thing about the body of Christ is that you're called to yeah. go there and be the literal hands and feet uh, and other people might be called to you know, stay here in Australia and do other things but pass on some of our money so that you can be enabled to be the hands and feet. Yeah, that's right. There's something for everyone in it mm. for sure. Yeah. God works. Well, Sandra, you are having such an amazing ministry there in Cambodia. I get the feeling that uh, you're not making any plans to return to Australia anytime soon. Well, we'll see. <laughs> I just go one year at a time, you know. Yeah. Um, yeah. Oh, it certainly ha- has its challenges too, being away from family and friends as well. Yeah, but it's quite hard on on my family, my daughter. Yeah. Um, yeah, so I think she's been good in giving me up for all this time. But yeah. we'll, I'll have to see as time goes on, you know. It's God's doing. And yeah. uh, if he wants me to stay there, I will. Yeah. I'm willing to. Yep. Yep. He'll lead you and guide you and um, he'll let you know when it's time to move on. Yeah, exactly. He will. Yeah. Well, Sandra, it's been so encouraging chatting to you the last couple of days. What an amazing testimony of, you know, how you've followed God to some of these places that really sound like the most far-flung and undesirable places to go and serve, you know, the rubbish dump slum of Phnom Penh and, Mm. you know, the prison there in Cambodia. It's not not exactly Fiji or Hawaii, you know. (laughs) It's... (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> and yet God has given you that real heart and that real love for these people and you've followed, you've been obedient and, of course, you've received a lot in return as well. Yes. A wonderful testimony. Thank you so much for spending some time with us and sharing some of your story. Thank you. Thank you, Michelle. Yeah, it's been wonderful just talking about it. Yeah, really enjoyed enjoyed it. Thank you. That was the conclusion of Shelley Scowen's two-part conversation with Sandra Perry, who has been serving as a medical missionary in Cambodia for over 10 years. We pray that the Lord continues to bless her as she keeps doing wonderful work to help the people she's ministering to there. I just love the way she keeps on coming up with innovative ways to meet the needs of the people. What a wonderful blessing she is. For more information about the ministry Sandra is serving with in Cambodia, their website is cambodiaglobalaction.org. That's cambodiaglobalaction.org. And finally, we'll close with this Bible verse, Philippians 2 verse 4. Let each of us look not only to our own interests, but also to the interests of others. 
Amen. Well, thanks for joining us for the conclusion of Sandra Perry's story. She is certainly an amazing person. I'm Jimmy Colfax, encouraging you to share your story with someone today.